Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. Today is Wednesday, the 18th of September, 2019. We have a special guest in studio with us today, Randy Kilbride. We needed to get lawyered up today, and Randy's because we're going to be dealing with... He was a high-level... Is that a corporate attorney, Randy, in New York? Is that a firm? Yeah, it's a, it's a truly white shoe Manhattan firm. Well, so that'd be Tim Bezbachenko, who we're going to have on the program in just a minute. Of course, Jacob Myers is here, our fine crew beat writer at the controls is Patrick Flaherty, the pot father. And as I said, Randy Kilbride from Flint and Kilbride, my attorney. I needed to get lawyered up today. Folks who are uh, regular listeners to this show remember Randy from uh, his um, multiple appearances during that 18-month interlude that was Anthony Precord and all the rest of it. But all's well that ends well. And before we get into our conversation with Tim Bezbachenko, Jacob, a 3-1 to one shocking victory in Atlanta, the birthplace of American soccer on uh, Saturday night. Didn't see that coming. I did not see that coming. Even Shield didn't see that coming. The Shield? I think. Do they have a chance at the Supporter Shields now? You know, I still think they're a bit too far off, if I'm going to say. I don't think Ted Williams could see their playoff hopes at this point, and he famously had 20-10 vision, but then again, he's decapitated and cryogenically, what's the word I'm groping for? Frozen? Yeah, he's frozen. Dead? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, so the point is, what are they, seven points below the bar with uh, three games remaining and, and four teams to jump? It's not going to happen this year, but a nice little whatever it was, 2-1-4 and four run here, I think, or 3-1-4. and 4-1-5 four. Four, to go even further. Yeah, like that's, what, 1.7 points per game over 10 games? That's enough to get you to the postseason. It's just too little too late, as we've been saying. Yeah, well, the one thirteen and one killed him, Jacob. And how is Porter portraying this? Like, we're putting things in place for next year, or we want to see who can play where and, and then make personnel decisions? Specifically, he said that around those words in reference to why he started to be Guzman over Will Trapp. He wanted to, one, see Jonathan Mensa as a leader, which I thought was interesting. And I think he's certainly proved himself to be the crew's best defender. He's looked real good back there. But he wants to see what Guzman can do. And he's had, I think, four of his 11 starts with reserves. So to see him with a full unit is a little different. But I think he's at that state. Porter's at the stage now to see, okay, let's see who can do it. But also not sacrificing trying to win a game as I mean, he that was really the only significant change that they had in the lineup. Well, in the bigger picture of things, Caleb Porter was known in Akron for recruiting guys other people didn't recruit, guys with a chip on their shoulder. Not that other people didn't recruit, but they may have fallen through the cracks of, uh, in larger programs and had a chip on their shoulder. He likes those guys. The leadership thing has been important to him as he's professed over the years. Portland, he assembled that whole team yeah. himself, basically. And a lot of those pieces still there. They're still winning. Right, but the same type of player. And I think he's sort of kicking tires, if you will. He's feeling his guys out. At least that would fit his MO. Do you get that sort of feeling? Yeah, I think it goes along to allowing players to play with more free range than Burhalter had his specific system, you know, very specific what he what he wanted guys to do. Porter's more wanting to see guys make the plays instinctively. And that's what Pedro Santos has done this year, and that's why I think he likes him a lot. Huh. So they're going to resign him? We'll have to ask Baz. Well, in my story, I had, you know, Caleb said he saw Pedro as a big asset moving forward, and Pedro said that he didn't really have much interest going back to Portugal. He wants to stay here. Okay. And anything else housework-wise this week? Injuries, 
people returning, what they're looking like as they're, they're at Vancouver this weekend, correct? At Vancouver. Still have Waylon Francis, Josh Williams, and Hector Jimenez working off to the side. Milton Valenzuela is working a lot, too. He's running and stuff. And I mean, he looks fine, but, you know, still building up strength on that knee. Hector Jimenez is back running this week, although he's, you know, I still think at least a week, if not two weeks away from playing. They're going to try to fit him in before the season's over? If he's fully healthy, sure. I think he's proved enough that you don't need to do that just to keep him right. on the team moving forward. So Are those, as Randy knows, those take a year, those ACLs. They just flat out take no, a year. No, not Hector. Oh, Milton will oh, not. That, yeah. Oh, jeez, I'm sorry. I crossed, cross-wired there. Never mind, Randy. Stand out. Scared some people. Scared me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. So should have a pretty fair compliment on the road trip. Yeah, I think you want to build off of, obviously, what you did with Atlanta, and they've strung multiple together, so should be... And you look at Vancouver, they're down in the table. It's important for them not to have a letdown if they want to build toward next year, which Porter mentioned post-game as well. It's very early in the morning. That's all I'll say in my defense. I'm wired. And whoever hasn't done their knee can do it in Vancouver because BC Place is an awful, awful surface. And joining us now is Tim Bezbachenko, the president general manager, and he probably has three or four more titles to go along with that. Are there any more titles in that? That's it. Got it. Tim Bezbachenko joins us, and it's the first time he's been on our program since Jacob posted a recorded interview with him on the Speakeasy earlier this year, about two months ago, right, Jacob? Yeah, that's about right. And that, was, and that was just an extraordinarily impressive interview, Tim, which is why you are <laughs> where you are. Well, starting it out, I'll just ask you, the elephant in the room, has the land been purchased? The Arena District plot is nationwide capitulated yet, or are they still... Or there, the city still gumming things up. Just where does that stand generally? Yesterday, the team announced that the groundbreaking will be October 10th. So with an announcement like that, one would assume that this thing is on Greece skids. Yeah, we have no new updates on the land specifically. We are planning our groundbreaking and are really excited about the obviously about the groundbreaking. It's a momentous moment for the club and it really sort of symbolizes the whole new era beyond just obviously ownership, leadership, and then the new players that we brought in. But the groundbreaking is going to really start the process of us sort of understanding what we want to be as a club, how we want to operate in the market and get people excited about the new era. But no new updates on the land specifically. Okay. I'm sorry. I had to ask. The other thing thing fans want to know, and of course, there's a pretty tight lid on it and you're not going to relay too much information about it, but you've seen the schematics. You've seen the renderings. Let me ask you this. From a personal standpoint, what did you think of them? You know, we're really excited about how they've come out. The schematic designs, I think at the process, we've included every stakeholder group we possibly could, including the fans and longtime season ticket holders, community, people who maybe don't even go to crew games. We've included them in the process. And, and then it's obviously been driven by, by ownership in a lot of ways between the Haslam's and the Edwards. And what we've, what's come out of it is we believe it's something that's iconic. We believe that it, it is, we're, we're looking for a design that impresses people upon site. It obviously fits into the, the arena district, but it also stands alone. And we feel like where we're going in this new era, you know, we want to take Columbus to a, a different place than it's been in the past. Soccer is a global sport and Columbus is becoming a global city if it isn't already. So how can we represent Columbus in that way? And I think the stadium is a manifestation of that of that objective. So I think the design, when, when, when we release it to the public, I think people will be going to be very impressed and excited about it. So what you're saying is the iconic structure, potentially. Yes, yes, Interesting. absolutely. 
Tim, Jacob Myers here. Could you just give a sense to our listeners of when you got here, how many moving pieces there were to get to this stage in an October groundbreaking day? And I'm sure it's been a lot easier having people like Steve Lyons and your kind of fill out your front office. Just give a sense of all those moving pieces. Yeah, I mean, part of it was just the structure of how everything came together so quickly from an ownership perspective, right? So you have a previous team doctor and Dr. Pete Edwards, who's, who's a long time, obviously, the team doctor, but then he, he moves into ownership. And then the Haslam's coming together to purchase the team and do it in short order. So I think the first order of business was just understanding how we're going to operate from the top down, educating you know ourselves about the league, certainly ownership on how it's different than perhaps the NFL, how you know the single entity operates. And I think that was sort of the first couple months understanding that and how we're going to operate as Hassam Sports Group, right? The Columbus Crew SC being a part of this larger entity and figuring out ways where we can find synergies between ourselves and the Browns in the leadership structure all the way down to team operations and ticket sales and sponsorships, right? So I think the first order of business, there were a lot of moving forwards, obviously, to your question, but we took a step back and said, let's not move too quickly. We got to get it right. And so let's be methodical. Let's not just for the sake of, of bringing people in, filling, you know, with just warm bodies. Let's Let's do it slowly, meticulously. And I think throughout the spring, that's when, you know, we started really understanding, you know, which people we needed to have in Columbus, how many people on the executive team, you know, a number of people left for either Austin or other jobs because they did not know the team was going to be around last fall. And so that's when we really sort of put the pedal to the metal and we started hiring. And I think that took us all the way through sort of July. And obviously then we capped it off with bringing in Steve Lyons, who, as everyone knows, has been a critical piece in saving the team with the Columbus Partnership, but the ability to bring him in so that we are really integrated with not just the community, but the corporate community who we need to support this team and who want to support this team. And his ability to articulate our new vision to them is going to be, you know, obviously it's paramount right now. Steve Lyons, of course, formerly with the partnership. And now what's his title with you, Tim? He is EVP, Executive Vice President, and Chief Business Officer. So he'll be kind of working on, he'll be working on the business day to day. And let me ask you about a specific part of all these moving parts that are coming together, the player personnel side of the things in your roster. You know, the injuries might have, in a way, goosed the process of turning the roster over, such as you and Caleb want to do it. Where is that now, and what do you see moving forward? And feel free to give the fans some information here, Tim. Yeah, yeah. So obviously this year is, we were hit with a you know a thunderbolt in preseason and Milton going down. Uh, Milton Valenzuela, who in the previous system, you know, under the previous coach, we played a style that was reliant upon our ability of our wingbacks to get forward or fullbacks on on either side because we the Columbus Crew is known for a system of holding the ball, advancing up the the pitch slowly, uh, and then breaking mostly through the outside to get across into Jossie's artist, but sometimes obviously through the middle through Eagle so it was a system that had become known in MLS, but also it was some, we were at a point where we believe we need to evolve to something else and provide a different look. We could still do it through possession, but at the same time, how can we be a little bit more dynamic and possess the ball, get the ball into the attacking third quicker, and then possess it there? So that was the goal throughout the year. The issue has been the, the injuries, 
to Milton and Inguain really set us back in our ability to do that because once we lost Inguain, the way he possesses the ball throughout the, you know, the entire buildup is different than someone, let's say, as Pedro Santos, who is a winger who has now been forced to move inside, who is a little bit more active in some ways in terms of floating outside to get the ball and create some overloads on the side. So in terms of what we're doing on the player personnel side, some of those injuries, as you had said, you're right, has forced us to look at players in a different way. We'll get Milton back for, for next year so we can still be a possession-oriented team, but how can we be a little more dynamic, aggressive? As Caleb says, it's going to be more high pressure and the transition elements to our team. So take that forward to player personnel. We need some players that have the ability physically to get up and down the field, have the ability to play both styles of soccer, you know, possession on the ball, build out of the back, but also an ability to get around the pitch with high-speed distance, change of direction, stamina. Those are all aspects that we'll have to look at whether or not they're on a roster now or we're recruiting new players. When's the big DP coming there, Tim? <laughs> Why is that funny? That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. We, we're working on it. You know, we're, you know, we do feel like there's an opportunity to explore various designated players. Obviously, there's there's some uh, uncertainty around things for for next year, just with our the way that the CBA is expiring at the end of January. But we're looking to make this team better. And if it means that we need to get a DP or more DPs or, or switch our TAM players down and our, our salary cap. We're going to do that. The Haslam's and Edwards, we're ambitious. They want to be ambitious. They want to take this team to another level. And certainly they've done well in the past. But it, how can we take it to the next level in, in the way that people even look at our team and, uh, and our franchise? So I wouldn't just say it's obviously there's this club has had success since the beginning. But how do we define that success going forward? How do we get people, more people in the market excited about the soccer? How do we convert, you know, 5,000 more fans into season ticket members? How do we, you know, we have 9,000 season ticket members now. we got to grow that. And I think that's done through, you know, some education of the market, playing a brand of soccer that's exciting, and then obviously winning. There's a just quick update you guys sent out. I think a month ago now, season tickets for 2020, and then they get priority for the stadium. How have those been received? Very well. The response has been positive. I think people are excited about the opportunity that getting season tickets, obviously, for next year allows them first priority for 2021 in the new stadium. So the, the response has been positive. The runway is much longer than we had last year, right? We didn't go on sale until really January. So this runway now is, is a proper one. It allows us time to focus on not just individual season ticket members, but various groups and corporate corporations that want to buy into the team now and want to get in and see what we're all about. Or maybe they were in the past, but haven't, but went away for a few years due to everything that was happening. So the response has been positive. It's still early on, but uh, we're excited about where it's trending. I want to get back to the player personnel side again. One of the things that's been done among all these many things in Jacob's moving parts question has to do with the scouting apparatus. I'm curious about how is that now? I mean, how many guys you have out there? And I guess I'm asking, what's the plan with this scouting apparatus in the short term and in the longer term? Yeah, so obviously to talk a little bit about how we see it and how it's evolving. In soccer, there's a, there's a platform, a video platform. It's called Scout, and it has essentially shrunk the world in the last 20 years where we, in some ways, can... When I say we, I mean MLS clubs, clubs that are growing at this point do not have the spends of, let's say, a Manchester United or Manchester City, but allows us to scour the globe without physically being there. 
so that happened about 20 years ago. So Y Scout, they hold a conference too where all the clubs around the world who have Y Scout, which is virtually everyone, and come together and speak. And, and that's where sometimes deals get done. That's like a, it's like speed dating. And you're going around and talking to clubs about their needs and your needs and, and seeing, seeing if there's a match. So the reason I say that is because before, even in, you know, my previous club in Toronto, we had more people maybe in the ground in, in Colombia and Argentina, Chile, Germany, Scandinavia. What you can do now is you can have more video scouts and people who are or maybe in the U.S. watching games and, and they're sort of taking you through, I would say, the first two or three stages where you're able to watch, you know, second division Uruguay, you know, and second division Germany, you know, first division Chile, and, and get through games. And what I mean by that is making sure that you've seen every player in the league and you've seen them multiple times so that you start to get players rising to the top. And then from there, what we're planning on doing, then you, that's when you give it to the people on the ground, you start doing your homework on those players, due diligence on their life off the field, and then we start to compare each player individually against each other to decide which one's going to fit our style of play, which one can Caleb really sees matches our system. So those are the various stages. And so we scaled back a little bit on the people, on a couple people on the ground. We've amplified and increased our video scouting capacities. And then the question now is how many people do we need to have on the ground and where based on the players that are going to become available in January? How many people is that, Tim? I can't tell you exactly, but it's roughly. No, no, it's not. On the ground, it's a handful. The video, that number changes because scouts are in for a period and then sometimes they'll out they'll find permanent jobs or become head head, head of scouting in, at another club but that's another hint are you looking for a Giovinco I mean that's a guy that you signed in Toronto Michael Bradley um, goes the Altador that's 6 12 yeah yeah I mean 19 million dollars I would love a Giovinco. Those might be once in a generation, once in a career type of player. Obviously, my goal is to find one, but it is what he did for the league and for, for the Toronto FC was, it was different. And so it might not be, you know, a player of that sort of age and experience, but the way that he changed a club, that is what we're looking for. We want a player who can come in and help again transform this club and and take us to a different level and so we're looking for our own Javinko in a way even if it's not going to be a uh, gotcha. you know five foot four italian with, with a little bit of a temper is that at all more challenging in columbus than a place like toronto we've seen that in in hockey where some of the stars have perhaps not wanted to be here yeah i think it's what i've seen is toronto it is an international city probably a little bit more european than columbus so when i'm scouting in or we are scouting in europe people know of they've you know they know of toronto and whereas in columbus i think that you have to educate them about what the city provides and what it is about and what it's going to become and from a starting point the starting points are different just from pure name recognition but once you start to give show them videos and you certainly when you get them in the market if you're able to do that either the player or the agent or someone who can communicate to them that's when they get excited because it's it's, it's a lot of times not what people think it is whatever they think it is but they get here and they see that all the things that we we have going on and how quickly we're growing and all the construction and, and the arts and the sports and, and everything that, that a big city has, they, they're like, wow, I can do it here, but without the traffic and, and the education system is great for my kids. I mean, it's really, in my opinion, about getting them here if you can. As we've speculated a lot just on the trajectory of this team and especially aligning with the opening of the stadium, July 21, assuming that that's still the date that's out there and that you guys are setting for when do you expect this team to be a consistent mls cup contender by the way just just for background jacob had you guys winning the supporter shield this year this was about five games in so uh you can ridicule me all you want so that's why we call him the, that's why we call him the shield I, yeah you call him the shield i like that 
the confidence and the positivity. I mean, uh, Jacob. So, look, that's our you know our goal is speaking of supporter shield. I mean, we want to get to a place where we're in contention. We want to be consistent contenders, and and I think in our league, unlike other sports leagues, there are multiple trophies on the line every year. And to figure out how to compete in multiple competitions is hard in our league. So to put a timeline on it, on it, it's difficult. I think that we've seen the team evolve over the last certainly over the second half of the season, where they've found a little bit of an identity after having lose two critical players and, and we played so many different starting lineups so we're now starting to get a little bit of consistency and I think it's paid off so you know one step at a time I do feel like each year you have to look to improve right so if you feel you have certain number of players that are going to be there when you do contend or when you are a contender and every year after that you look to improve every even every transfer window after that you look to improve maybe one or two players at a time and then the dynamic changes in a soccer it's not like a baseball where, where they just you know you're hitting in a, a sort of an isolated event and you're looking at, at their batting average each piece every time you put a new piece on the field that piece affects the spacing of all the other players and so how how does the puzzle sort of fit together changes with every new player that you put on whether or not it's a starting player or substitution so I you know I, I again I wouldn't put a timeline on it but this is what's exciting for, for all of us I think for fans in Columbus they should be excited about it because we are going to we won't, do want to throw it out there to say hey we want to contest and we plan to be contenders but the timeline on it I'm not going to put one on right now it's too early to tell yeah I think it definitely as you said the guys brought on have made an impact Certainly looking forward to October 10th, the groundbreaking day. Any other projects before we leave here that maybe you want to tease? We've talked about that Experience Center. Curious where that is at, and I don't know what else is in the fold this coming off season. That's not enough for you? <laughs> um, we got a lot going on in this club, but you know what I would say is, yeah, the Experience Center obviously down. We're looking to do that in the short north. The groundbreaking is happening. We have the you know the training ground. You know the, the community sports park will start to get some legs soon. Um, we're excited about that. That you know when you have a new training ground where the entire club can operate out of that can really shift. I think shift the culture. You know, in, in various clubs around MLS have brand new training grounds, and we have one that you know forty thousand square foot facility where that houses our entire club where everybody could break bread together and between our business staff and our even our first team that's really exciting for us so all of these projects are getting off the ground soon in the next few weeks or months if they haven't already we're continuing to, to reach out into the community the business community for sure because we have certain categories on the on the business side in terms of naming name stadium naming rights and other various things that we, we need to look at uh, as we shift venues and shift sites but also the soccer community you know we sort of cut ties or terminated our or sort of part of our youth soccer structure earlier this year and we've taken a step back we brought on Dante Washington to help with this a former player and we're looking to go what we're going out right now and meeting with clubs to see how we can be a resource for growing the game of soccer in Columbus how we can be a resource for helping improve coaching education across the board because that's what we need in this market I think we need a leader in the soccer community and I think for various reasons the crew haven't been able to do that over the last five five or even ten years last one just to dovetail off what you've been mentioned there about the training facility. Where does Obet stand now, Tim? That's that's your buddy, the uh the director down there that is Yeah, it? that that actually yeah, no, that's um again that we're the lease is up at, at the end of the year, but we're still there. We haven't we have a plan where we can be there till the end of the year. But there's no new update on that as well. We have to look at multiple options if we cannot be there next year, right? If for whatever reason we can't agree on being there next year. So there's no new update on that. We're still looking at options elsewhere so that we're ready and if that comes to be. All right. We'll let you go now. You've been more than generous with your time. We appreciate it, Buzz, and we'll see you soon. All right, thanks for having me, guys. All right, see you. 
Tim Bezbachenko, President, General Manager, and wear all the hats in the front office there for the Columbus crew. Now everyone's going to call me S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, I hope so. With great fondness, as a matter of fact. Well, that's it for this edition of the Soccer Speakeasy. We missed Kyle Robertson, but I must say that Randy Kilbride off the bench did boost the offense. I agree. <laughs> Super so sub. We didn't miss the big striker that much. We still love Kyle. We can buy him down with Tam. So remember, not that valuable. you can check out previous episodes of the Soccer Speakeasy at Dispatch.com. All of Jacob's stuff, Dispatch.com. That's, he's at Jacob underscore Myers underscore 25. Any more underscores? No shield yet. Underscore shield. No, just Jacob Myers, 25, with a couple underscores. Randy Kilbride from Flint and Kilbride, thank you for coming in today, and always a pleasure. For Patrick Flaherty um, at Michael A. Race 1, check out Dispatch Alerts on Twitter and Jacob's Facebook page. This list of stuff keeps getting longer and longer, of things that you have to mention. Yeah, that's good. All right, Patrick, kick us out of here. 